podcasts! Podcasts! I can't find my podcasts! Well, what phone do you have? It's an Android device! Well, every Android user I know uses the Podcast Republic app. All you do is make your favorite shows your favorites, and they get downloaded straight to your phone faster than 88 miles per hour, and it's free! It sounds much easier than chasing psychotic killers! I'll download the Podcast Republic app on my Android phone straight away! The Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store! Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am one half of the mega podcasting powers, Trip Lano, and with me... As always, is a man who knows that by the time you fit your fifth sequel, you're probably just going to start doing other movie franchises. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Leno. God, this movie is the worst. <laughs> uh, indeed it is. We are here to talk about perhaps the worst of the entire franchise of Halloween. I mean, five and six are pretty on par in terribleness. Yes, that is indeed true. Although, for some reason in my brain, I remember 6 being a little bit better. No, but anyway. you remember, I, I'm, I'm going to let you know you remembered that incorrectly. <laughs> well, we'll get into that in just a second. But we watched Halloween 5, which is only called that on the movie, but according to the posters, is The Re- Revenge of Michael Myers. Or The Curse of Michael Myers? No, Curse is 6. It's Return okay. Revenge Curse. Okay, okay. The... Revenge of Michael Myers. So you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your poorly placed cartoon music. Something's gonna be done about your poorly placed cartoon music. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. Power, yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. So, have you seen the air quotes producer's cut of Halloween 6? So, I've seen clips of them, and one of my favorite YouTube channels just started a thing called Cut Comparison, where he like breaks down all the differences between the two versions of a, a thing, and he okay. did the first one on Halloween 6. Oh, okay. I, for some reason, okay, let, let's say this, because it has been many years since I watched part six, and I'm not in a real hurry to go back there. Is it zanier? Yes, but because it I feel makes like, even less sense. Okay, because I feel like I might be inclined to give some points for zaniness, because this movie is really just parts of Halloween 1, parts of Halloween 2, and then a whole Friday the 13th movie wedged in there for some reason. And I'm just like, I don't know where all this is Plus coming Rocky from. Rocky and Bullwinkle villain, like bad guys. Yes, yes. It's just really bizarre. And we'll, we'll tackle all this stuff going along, of course, as we normally do. But right up top, it's like, this is a mess. This is it's, a very is, bad movie. I, I wrote later, I'll just quote it now. This movie is a big steaming poop on the original Halloween movie. <laughs> I was watching it fairly late at night and i got about a half an hour into it and i was like i'm not sure i'm paying enough attention to this to do a good job of this podcast so i stopped and then i picked it back up a day later and i went back like 10 minutes and i was like no i definitely remember watching all these scenes i still just don't think they make sense like i thought i thought it was like tired brain like oh put on something you don't have to be taking notes during you know just put on a movie but it was just that this movie is bad it's it's terrible it's just bad decision after bad decision after, like, 
let's make something up on the fly. Yeah. I just, because I, I think part four is pretty good. It's, I think Halloween one, Halloween two, and Halloween four are the really only, the only three worth watching in the original chunk of movies. I'm thinking I might, we'll get to it at some point. I don't know when specifically we'll do it, but I'm thinking Halloween three might end up feeling much better than like, cause we've ragged on it a lot and I've seen the movie, but it has been a long time. And I'm wondering if like upon a rewatch, I'll be like, you know, this series really does go in order. Part one is the best. Part two is second best. Part three is the best. After that, you don't got to the next best. Then you don't have to bother with anymore. So I find that Halloween three is a terrible Halloween movie, but as like a, as a scary movie, it's not bad. But as a Halloween movie, it's no good. Yeah. Because it's like a random, like toy company, like the whole plot, like is if it had been released as like, mask mystery or something better than that as a title right like um goosebumps presents the one with the masks oh the best episode ever lori beth lori beth i think so um yeah like if it had been presented as like you know the mask murderer or something like that that didn't say we are part of the halloween franchise i think it would have been received a little better yeah no i'm with you on that Apropos of almost nothing, just because I said goosebumps, so it's, I can't like act like this was like a natural thing that came up to divert topic because I brought up goosebumps. But Netflix has this new show called Creeped Out, and it's like goosebumps slash Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, is it the one with the kid with the weird the white face mask? That, I don't like, know if it's actually. A, I don't know if it's actually a kid, but it's it's like Mister Creepy or Creepy or the Creeper yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I heard it was and, pretty good. That thing is not really involved. It just is like the creeper likes a creepy tale, and he has another creepy tale from Creeped Out. It's there's no. It's not like you know tales from he's the, the crypt, crypt keeper, but he's not. Like he literally just is like walking down the road in the beginning of the episode, and then it's like ah another tale for the creeper, and then there's a yeah, tale, thought- and then it's like he's walk. It's like. You could not have the framing device and it would be fine. But it's like it's like Black Mirror Junior is what I've been describing that's to people what who have I, children. That's what a lot of people are describing it as. And I find it like like the acting quality is significantly higher than it is for the children's pre- programming of our youth. Like uh, I have occasionally pulled up Are You Afraid of the Dark for various you know things I cut together from my friends, and I'm always like. Man, these kids are terrible. Like, like children's acting on t- children's programming has always been pretty bad. This is better than average. Like, I was surprised. Yeah. So, if if you're needing like a little quick filler in between your episodes or in between your Halloween watches, this is a decent way to fill twenty minutes. The only episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark that I really remember is the one with the pool monster because that monster was like horrifying. I I legitimately found that show deeply frightening as a child. Oh, I like, do too. And it's funny that and unsolved mysteries would just like scare the shit out of me. And even to this day, hearing the theme song for either one of them gives me a little heebie-jeebie. I love that that mon- open like theme montage with the like swing set and the rocking chair and the yeah, it's the, in like an attic. The single flame, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's quality children's programming, which Why is can't better. We do a podcast about Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> I'm sure that it does. Somebody out there doesn't Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. We should do a crossover. Somebody get at us. The Midnight Society. Anyways, oh, it's, I, that's definitely the name of that podcast. Like yeah. 1,000%. Um, the Midnight Pod Society. Okay, I'm here for it. Kaboom. Um, so, oh, God, this movie is so bad. Uh, 
it starts with a previously on Halloween montage where they re- do the last five minutes of the fourth movie. Which is interesting because we talked about that, you know, being a thing with the other Halloween movie we did this month, where it's like it literally just picks up where the other one ended. Except mm-hmm. this one is dumber because it does that and makes you rewatch the last five minutes of the movie. And then immediately it cuts to one year later so that the actress in the movie can be a year older than she was. You know that's with the purpose of it. But, like, one, no audience would have given a shit. And two, Michael was just in a coma being tended to by a woodsman for a year? Yeah. A year. What? His muscles should be atrophied. Yes. Was he giving him IV fluids? Like, what? That's not how bodies work. I have no idea. It does like if someone is unconscious for a year, there's a person whose job it is just to keep their muscles from atrophying has to like flex and move their legs and move their hips and rotate their ankles and do all of these things. And like, fine, it's a horror movie. You're right. We're overthinking it. Fine. How about how did this person that he was, he just like pulling his mouth open and pouring food into it. Like I'll give you, I'll give you all the leeway in the world. Like, obviously it's not medical science. They're not going to be like, fine. I'll give you all of that. How did he feed him? How did he put water into his body? Yeah. So the first draft I do, I did some research just because I needed something to do while this garbage movie was happening. Um, and apparently in like the first draft, this guy was a witch doctor kind of figure and Michael was dead. And so he brought Michael back to life. Right. One year later. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I was like, why do we, what? Like, but he's the one who gave him the wrist tattoo of the thorn. Like it like brought, it made more sense. It wasn't just like, oh, here's a thing that's definitely always been there. And also, he was in a coma for a year. Yeah, if you're going to do this whole cult thing, and I don't think you should, but if you're going to do this whole... Yeah, no, don't do not do that. But if you're going to do that, then Michael should have been found and resurrected and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, by the person who was in the cult. And then he gets, like, set off on the rampage. Like, that's a much better explanation for what happens next in this movie. Instead of the friggin' Michael Myers lazy lazy river action figure with pina colada accessory, <laughs> pina colada accessory, he like crawls into a river and just like lazily floats down the rapids. And I was just like, he's he's basically at Blizzard Beach. He's <laughs> as scary as a tourist at Blizzard Beach right now. That is a water park in Florida. In case anyone out there is missing the reference, so. The other thing that sucks about this movie is Danielle Harris is a pretty good child actor. Not amazing, but like a solid hand, which is more than she's the best child actress in in 80s horror. Oh, for sure. Easily. But I'm saying like all time, all time. I don't think she's like a Mount Rushmore child actor. But as we've said on the show, child actors are hard to get good ones. It's hard to have consistent performances out of them. They're just it's a challenging job and it's hard for children to do it, period. Like any job, because again, they're children. Why would you take a little girl who's basically holding her own with Donald Pleasance, who at this point in his career is just like screaming and eating the scenery, like literally just taking bites out of the set while he's on it. That's how hard he's chewing the scenery. Yeah. She's holding her own with him through a whole movie. And they're like, "Mm, you know what? How about for the first 45 minutes of this movie? She just has seizures and she can't speak anymore. 
Like, what kind of a person comes up with that idea and has several other people be like, yeah, no, I'm on board. That's a good, good use of the person that we have managed to cast. You want to know what's really funny? If I go to page two of my notes, I wrote, Daniel Harris can act. Why are they doing this to her? Right. She has to do, like, bad Caesar seizure wiggling and, like twitch her eyes around and wiggle around on a bed and do like just like like the mashed potato basically that's all she gets to do it's like i just like that we had the exact same thought of like yeah poor daniel harris so stupid but it's also stupid like yes i feel bad for daniel harris but i also feel bad for me because this sucks and i watched it (laughs) and like so did other people and like the real what really pisses me off is that they ended the fourth one with Jamie stabbing her mother, presumably to death. And I was like, oh, that's a cool setup for, is she evil? Is she Michael's sidekick? Is he controlling her? Like, there's stuff you can go with in that movie. And apparently, uh, from what I read or heard, Mustafa Akkad was the guy who was like, no, we're not going to do any of that. We're just going to make a regular Michael movie again. Right. And I was like, wow, like, that would have been cool. Even, even if it was just the Myers bloodline is tainted. And now Loomis is like trying to commit another child into, he's like, you didn't listen to me at the last one. Listen to me about this one. And like, that's what we're doing. It's still better. Like it's still a better movie than this one. And that's a bad movie. I'm describing for the record. I'm describing a yeah, bad not a movie. Good one. No, I mean, unless, unless it was sort of like, Omini, where Damien is like, not like people don't believe he's evil. Some people do think he's evil. Like if it sure. was that kind of situation, but yeah, like, Seeing Daniel Harris be manipulative, charming, little precocious girl, but, like, secretly murdering people or, like, covering up Michael Myers' murders, like, that is a movie I would rather watch. I would even go so far as to say I would rather watch a movie that takes place entirely in the mental hospital where Loomis is evaluating her and then, like, he keeps being, telling people, oh my god, like, She's going to murder everyone. She's just like Michael. She's got no life in her eyes. Da 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 da. And they're like, "You're an idiot." And then the last half of the movie is like literally a child running around with a knife and stabbing orderlies. Like that's so a better cult movie. Of Chucky. Yeah, that's a better movie than this. I just, it's so stupid. It's such a stupid movie. This is. Yeah, it's so, and uh, it's just bad decisions compounded with dumb decisions compounded with rushed production like why right why is tina in this movie i swear to god i was literally going to say okay all right let's let's do some let's let's put the let's pause i'll i'll give that to you in just a moment so let's just let's just do let's do a little bit of what we're supposed to do on this podcast and then get back to that so she's having all these seizures we're at the hospital. She's having a really bad seizure. And they're like, oh, well, she can't breathe. We're going to have to give her a tracheotomy, which doesn't make any sense because I don't know anything about medicine. And I'm like, if someone is having a seizure so bad that their throat is closed, they probably need some sort of medic- medical attention that's not just like cutting intubate. your throat open. Yeah, right. Do a thing that's not just slice your throat open with a scalpel. But luckily, Crazy Old Loomis shows up. I, yes. Like, I effing love Crazy Loomis. And by the fifth movie, he's just like... Balls to the wall, full tilt, pants on head, backwards, crazy. He's like, don't save her life. She'll stabilize. <laughs> There's even a moment where Tina, who we talked about just for a second there, looks at him and is like, you are literally a disgusting monster. Get away from me. And it's the only good part of her character in the whole movie. Basically. Uh, so 
Rachel is back from the fourth movie, who is basically our Laurie Strode stand-in. She was, like, virginal and smart and capable and, like, really, like, had a strong will to survive. And what they did to her in this movie was kick her in the back of the knees. I don't even know why she's in this movie at all. And the actress thought she was going to be in the movie in the movie, and then they just killed her. Yeah. Well, so apparently in one version, the first version of the script, the Rachel, like, Rachel had the Tina part that was much bigger, and Tina was Rachel and died in the first five minutes. But they wanted to show that no one was safe in this movie, not even Rachel, and so they stabbed her with scissors. But nobody cares about Rachel! I mean, I care a little bit only in so much that, like, I've already watched her for a whole movie. So, like, I understand her relationship with with, with uh, Danielle Harris. And, like, I get her as a character. Like, you spent a full movie establishing who this person was and, like, making me, ha- like, feel something about her. And then you were like, hey, let's, what if we replaced her with a girl who just doesn't shut up? It's really bad, you guys. It's really not good. And also, I, I don't understand, like fine that's the method you're going with i think it's stupid but fine tina like barely cares about jamie she she certainly gives a small amount of attention to her but the second that she can blow off hanging out with this kid and go to a party and try to get laid she's like later which i don't think the rachel character would have done no not at all um and like the other weird it's i'll steal a joke from from the dead meat youtube channel i'll give credit where credit is due there's like the big moment where where Jamie starts talking again is when she says Tina's name and it's it's like oh wow how touching your foster sister's kind of friend like right. why do I care why do you two have a relationship why do I care about this relationship Tina wasn't in the fourth movie which means she wasn't friends with Rachel before a year ago right so this person who is a relatively new addition to your life and only knows you as a solid mute like how much relationship are you possibly having with this person none i mean for all intents and purposes tina has the brain capacity to communicate as well as someone who's mute so no i mean certainly she could like write notes and stuff i'm just saying like i don't imagine tina is having a huge long conversation with a mute child no not at all but she doesn't shut up so also uh, so Tina's entrance is with the dog that we know is going to die because Michael Myers kills dogs. Yes. Um, and they give her a Halloween costume. And I was like, Jamie wants to celebrate Halloween this year? Yeah, it's real weird. I would be like, no, there's going to be a solid five-year ban in my personal life on Halloween after what happened last year. You know what? I am just telling people we're religious. Like, yeah. we're just one of those religions that thinks Halloween is the actual devil, and that's that's the end of it. I don't like, care which sorry. one. You pick which one. I'm that one. Also, maybe Jamie shouldn't be recuperating in Haddonfield, where everyone thinks she's the devil. Yeah, that's probably a wise idea. There are many, Send her many... to Chicago. You're in Illinois. Send her to literally anywhere. Like, <laughs> just drive into Canada and claim asylum. Just do something. And, and so we're skipping ahead a little bit here to where these cops are introduced. They introduce these two bumbling idiot cops, which Wik- Wikipedia tells me is supposed to be an homage to Last House on the Left. And maybe it is. I've but, never seen Last House on the Left. But from what I understand, it's like a brutal murder violent movie. Yes. So I don't know so where I, these sound effects come in. So I... I was so flabbergasted by this that I took to like looking up scenes from last house on the left. Cause I've also not watched it. I really don't enjoy 
torture in movies. Like I, it's not a thing. It's not that I find it like too scary. It's just not a thing I really want to watch. I don't get a lot it's of joy enjoyable. out of it. Yeah. And so like, if that's your thing, cool. I don't, I'm not judging you for liking it. I just, I am not in, I've never watched it. I, it's just one of the things I don't care for. So I've never watched it. So I pulled up a bunch of scenes and I did see that like, there is some kind of slapstick comedy with these cops. It's not like, Yuck, 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 three stooges level, but it's a little bit of physical. Co- and, and anyway, in these, to be clear, out of context scenes watched on YouTube on a on a computer screen, <laughs> but there's no like boing noises. And these cops, it's just, yeah, it's just straight up cartoon, cartoon, cartoon noises to the point where I was like, so this movie is streaming on Shutter, which you can get a free trial for and has some actually some decent fun stuff for Halloween right now that I've been watching, but uh, I recommend the canal by the way, which is also streaming on there is really freaky. Although there's a really intense scene at the end of it. That's uh, pretty dark. But anyway, I was like, okay, wait, something's wrong. And I backed it up and then I heard it again. And it's just, just like, like what, who this is, this is utterly incomprehensible as a choice. Who thought this up? Who approved it? How many other people didn't object? Like, how did Donald fucking Pleasance go to see this movie at the premiere? Because he, he probably showed up for that, right? Like, I imagine yeah. that they, yeah. And how did he not be like, what the hell is with the cartoon noises? Like, somebody object. Well, apparently in every every movie Donald Pleasance is in, he's only ever been there for a few days. Like, he's not there. It's not, like, they, they com- like condense all of his shooting days into like a week or so to be fair he's like 70 years old when they're making this movie so like I, I, arguably the biggest star in any yeah. of these movies but um, um, like even at the beginning like the first halloween movie he's 61 years old so by the time this rolls around he's he's 70 it's like i get it like even if he wasn't the biggest star which he is he actually gets billed before the title of a movie it's donald pleasance in in Halloween John five. Carpenter's Halloween. There's a lot of names. <laughs> John Carpenter is nowhere Mustafa near Akkad this. presents Donald Pleasance in John Carpenter's yeah. Halloween. <laughs> the John Carpenter is baloney, but the rest of that is actually how the title of this movie plays. No, it's it. Oh, this wait, this movie. This movie is literally Mustafa Akkad presents Donald Pleasance in Halloween 5. Oh, I thought you were talking about the first one. Um, no, no, he gets above the title billing in, the, in this. In this one. Um, so I imagine... Well, and apparently, uh, that scene, the scene towards the end where Donald Pleasance is just yelling into the woods, the misty woods, he told the actor playing Michael Myers, he was like, look, I need you to stand in the woods. And the guy was like, what? And he's like, I won't see you, but I need to know you're there. (laughs) So he, that's why he's actually in the woods. Wowzers. Wowzers, wowzers, wowzers. Um, he also thought Jamie should have been evil. He did. And uh, the note you're talking about him having like him. He was only on set a brief time. He apparently gave his trailer to her because her mom kept bitching about the size of her trailer, which is like, oh, that's a bummer. She had one of those mamas, huh? Oh, I didn't see. I watched the uh, so there's a documentary about the making of Halloween one. And then there's a documentary about four, five and six. And I've watched them. And that's not the story Danielle Harris told. What's her version of it? That, um. She and Billy had a very sm- they. She had a small trailer, and Billy had to use it for school. Um, they, she like so they would use it for school days, and so Donald Pleasance, when he left, was like, "Don't take down my trailer. Give it to Daniel Harris because she's the star of the movie now." Uh. Um, 
and use well, it for that way it's a big enough entirely, trailer for her I mean, and for a school unit. It's in the ballpark of being the same story, I guess. Yeah, there was no mention of her mom bitching. There's also a note on the Wikipedia that Daniel Harris and the guy who played Michael in this movie were like best buds and hung out off the set. And the way it's written on this Wikipedia article is such a casual way to talk about a 12-year-old girl and a man in his mid to late 50s just like palling around. Is he like, that old? The guy who played Michael? Yeah, he's uh, at least 50. Oh. Born in 1950. This movie came out in 1989. Sorry, a 40-year-old man. I apologize. A 40-year-old man. Still, she's still, 12. I, it's still weird, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, just a casual hang sesh between a 40-year-old man and a 12-year-old. You know, all those cool, fun things they have in common. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not suggesting, by no, the way, no, 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 I am no. not suggesting, I'm making fun of the person who wrote the sentence on Wikipedia. It is entirely possible that the two of them, because they're in every scene together, would, like, take breaks and hang out, and this guy just, like, shot the shit with this kid, because what else are you going to do? Yeah, I think she said, she made, in the documentary, she mentioned that a lot of it, a lot of the breaks and stuff were just, everyone, he was, she was like, oh, he broke character instantly like as soon as the camera stopped rolling he was stopping michael myers and he was very clear to be like hi i'm an actor like this is like please don't be scarred for life little girl yeah yeah which i which makes sense yeah anyway so these keystone cops are there they're like checking out the myers house they of course don't find anything except the dog which has gone missing he shows up yes the dog shows up they're like hey we found the dog yeehaw they also do the weird, like, finish each other's sentences thing. Yes. It's, they, they are two characters from a completely different movie. You know what they are? They're those friggin' Killer Clowns ice cream truck boys. Yes, they really are the but ice cream cops. truck boys from Killer Clowns. Yes. Can't remember indeed. their names. Uh, the, something, the something brothers. I can't remember which. It's not. They're not important. I wish they had died in Killer Clowns. I wish these cops died sooner. And then later, we get a cop who's like a good guy and i was like why couldn't he have been the cop for the whole time right right the guy from ace ventura pet detective oh i i don't it's been a minute he has like a real bit i i was like this man's voice is very distinctive he has kind of a nixony jowl speak the the cop the other cop and i was like i know that voice like that voice is in my brain and i looked it up and i 99 percent sure it's ace ventura yeah, but he's, like, really, in the end, he's, like, very sweet to Jamie, and he's like, look, we're going to get out of here. Don't worry. I'll keep you safe. You've been a very brave girl. Let's get you Let's get you somewhere safe. And I was like, why? Why? Why couldn't I have followed him for the last hour of the movie? Right. Instead of whoopee cushion and the, and the sound machine over here. Yeah, exactly. They're, like, two bad shock jock morning hosts. Oh my god, they are they are crazy Ira and the douche. Yeah, they are. I mean, that's exactly what that that dynamic that they have is is like one guy being the like, "Ah, you're so funny." <laughs> guy, and the other one saying just like nonsense. Yeah. So, inside the house, the older sister of Jamie is murdered by Michael Myers, like you do. With no pants on. Yes, indeed. Well, that's pretty common for a Michael Myers death. Yeah, but like she she, imagine if they did that to Laurie Strode in part two. If they were like, look, she was the strong final girl, and now she's going to wander around with no pants and get stabbed. Yeah, like, no, it sucks. Come on. You're not wrong. It sucks hard. And then the friend arrives and takes the record off, which is like playing. Yeah. Yeah. So I rewrote this movie in my head because Rachel gets murdered 
and then Tina comes over and is annoying and the worst and lets herself in. And she starts, like, calling out for Rachel being dumb all throughout the house. And she's like, well, I guess Rachel's gone. Like, she went on vacation with her parents or whatever. And I was like, what should have happened was Rachel earlier heard the crash upstairs, was too smart to go investigate, and ran out the door. Tina comes over to the now empty house, sees, thinks Rachel's not home, is like, well, this place is to myself. Michael stabs her. Then we follow Rachel for the rest of the movie. I love it. That's such a better movie. That's such a better movie. Even if you then killed Rachel two minutes later, I don't care. Like, that's what should have happened based on the character you established. Right. And and then you don't have this bizarre thing where, like, Tina is her Jamie's caretaker for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so Rachel... So Rachel's dead. So Tina and Sammy, the two girls that we have to pretend to care about for the next hour... Um, go off to do shopping or something while the shape is in the house. Um, and, uh, Sammy admits, she's like, yeah, me and what's-his-face are gonna bone on Rachel's satin sheets. And I was like, you're a terrible friend. Yeah, no, your friend just died, and now you're gonna... know that. I, well, your friend's not home, so you're gonna do it on her sheets is also gross. On her satin sheets, that's rude. It's indeed rude. That's like the friend that your roommate went out of town in college and you were like, is it cool if my friend sleeps there? And they're like, yeah, no problem. And then that friend proceeds to just like dump a gallon of ice cream all over it or like, <laughs> like, or, you know, ice cream, AKA beer. Um, yeah. You know, I wouldn't know anything about that. I was a very good, good, good boy who didn't drink before his 21st birthday, but like somebody still doing in college something at like 21. that. I didn't have roommates with single beds to put guests <laughs> okay, in fair. at age 21. Right. I was in a shitty apartment that had a crappy couch. You're right. I was talking about, like, the dorm sharing etiquette. No, I get it now. Anyway, fast forward to Loomis berating Jamie about Michael. And, like... God, I love crazy, dangerous <laughs> Loomis. You want to talk about guys who are in a different movie than the rest of the movie? Loomis is borderline that with how insane he is at this. I, I, I wish I had a, a good list of, like, actors who are in a different movie than everyone else and then just put them all in a movie. It's like Margot Robbie in Suicide Squad, Loomis in this movie, and I can't think of any others. But, like, that's what I want to see. Yeah, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love Unhinged Loomis. He is, like, everything I want out of a late-stage Halloween movie. But it's amazing <laughs> yes. to go from understated, quiet, everything is evil and we have to prevent evil, to, like, Jamie, what are you doing? You, like, almost kissed all Arnold's territory? Yes, that's what he's like, because it's that over the top. You know what I just realized? We're going to derail for a second again. Why was there never a Halloween movie about, like, Loomis has moved into the old Myers house to keep everyone away from the old Myers house and becomes the, like, crotchety old man who yells at kids to get off the lawn? Like, what? That seems like the most natural progression. Basically, Loomis as the old guy in that trick-or-treat movie. Oh, uh, uh, Monster House? No, no, no. Oh, you the mean movie the movie trick-or-treat? Trick treat. Yes, yes. But Loomis is the old guy with the, you know, the old third man story. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would like that. Literally any idea you and I have come up with in the past, I don't know, 30 minutes or so recording this have been better ideas for Halloween 5 and 6 than what exists as Halloween 5 and 6. Like, yeah. 
Loomis takes the house over and refuses to vacate it and makes it into like a trap, a Home Alone esque trap house for Michael Myers is such a more entertaining movie than this that I can't even begin to talk about how excited that would be. Yes. Which, by I the also, way, I haven't seen it yet, and neither of you, but I have a hunch might be part of what we're in for with this Halloween oh, sequel. A hundred percent. I also, if I don't get if I don't get Michael slipping on some micro machines, I'm gonna be a little bit disappointed. Or Lori throwing tin, like paint cans down the staircase on a rope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although part of me does wish that like Donald Pleasance was alive for 2018, and like Lori visits him in the home to like tell him <laughs> about her plan. That would be great. That would be super super great. I really hope there's some passing little homage to him somewhere in this movie i have to imagine there will be but i really need there to be just like something like a like a framed photo of him and and uh lori yeah i was gonna say jamie lee curtis but yes like uh even if it's something like from back like off camera like from pal like around the the set of one of the previous sequels where they got like their arm around each other like that's what i need yeah i need that um because obviously Jamie Lee Curtis is the Donald Pleasance of the new Halloween. For sure. But, but now all I can think about is Home Alone Screaming Halloween the kids edition. to go inside on just, Halloween like, night. It's everything I ever Firing wanted. guns like, I want... into windows. Yeah, and Loomis, like, making booby traps. Are you kidding? That would be so good. Uh, like, the, he has the knife on the counter, but it's actually wired, so it's electrified. So when Michael goes to grab for the kitchen knife, he gets, like, zapped. Yes. I'm here for it. And then mask hair stands up. (laughs) (laughs) See, if you're like, if you're going to do like the stupid noises, like cartoon noises, go all the way and do that stuff. You cannot put a cartoon feather Michael's mask. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot put a boing in a non comedy movie and, and have anyone not immediately get taken out of the movie. Mm hmm. And I know this movie is stupid, but it is not like a slapstick children's movie, which is the only movie those sounds are allowed in. And even then, sparingly, please. Yeah, it's yeah. So the other problem this movie has is I don't remember if the Thorn stuff is introduced in four. I'm pretty sure it is because that's the Thorn not trilogy. Really. But I, OK, no, it's not. It is only mentioned the, the wrist tattoo is here for the first time. The okay. man in black was never in the script for five. They just had him. They made him up on set. To, like, okay. blur out any issues they had. Okay. That's why you never see his face, because it was played by, like, four different people, apparently. Well, they, well, here's the issue. So, we're, like, I don't know, 40 minutes into this movie, maybe, at this point, And a bus pulls into town, and a man gets off with, like, ridiculous shoes and ridiculous belt buckle, wearing all black. And, like, I know it's the man in black, because I've seen two other, or the other movie he's in. And I'm a dork, and I know all about these movies. But it's, that's all the introduction you're given, there's like some loose dialogue talking about Thorn in this movie, but as far as we know, like that that essentially just all those actions turn this movie into like the prequel comic book that they came out they came out and they expect you to read before the movie came out and you're like, yeah, yeah okay, I'll get right on that. So apparently what happened was as they were writing when they when they had any or when they as they were making the movie, if they had any issues or like things that didn't make sense, they stuck the man in black in there and said that's for the pre- people who make the sixth movie to figure out. Because when the guy wrote the sixth movie, he contacted all the people who wrote the fifth one, and not one of them would t- could tell him anything about anything. 
Of course they, they could. didn't think about it. Yeah, exactly. It's so dumb. Anyway, back from this guy getting off the bus, we're, like, looking through a house. Uh, it's the fake Myers house. Stop trying yes. to tell me this is the Myers house. Cause right. And they talk about this in, in the, like, making of, apparently, or they go into some detail about being like, oh, you know, we couldn't find a house just like it, so we, we cast this other house because it had more rooms to play with. And it's like, you can't cast more rooms to play with. I know how many rooms are in that house. There's, like, seven rooms, tops, maybe eight. Like... And then an attic and a basement, I'll give you. I don't think we've seen those. But it's like, there's a couple bedrooms. There's a few bedrooms upstairs. There's a living room. There's a there's TV a bathroom room. upstairs. Yeah. And a kitchen and another bathroom, maybe. But, like, I, I've been in this house a whole lot. You can't just start adding rooms to it. It's like how they keep changing Michael's friggin' mask. Like, in this movie, how the eye holes are really big and have mesh all of a sudden. Like, I've seen, I've spent a lot of time with this mask. You can't keep changing it. So I think that is part of what I was talking about earlier, saying that this is basically a Friday the 13th movie. One of the things that many people, and I don't say this with any judgment, it's just that I'm not one of these people, like about the Friday the 13th movies is there's some subtle variation in Jason's costume and mask and whatnot. And people like get into discussing those differences and what they like and dislike and, and all that. And if you do, cool, like that's fine. I I get nerdy about stuff like that, too. It just that's not one of mine. But I think that's like part of the idea here is we're going to go a little Friday the 13th because like there's a whole sequence later where they're at that party. That's just a Friday the 13th movie. So I almost wonder if the mask thing is like, let's give the fans something to talk about. It's a new Michael mask. Yeah, but like I always thought in Friday the 13th that all the mask changes were continuity like abiding like michael got a hatchet to the face so now he's got a chunk missing like each it got progressively dirtier each movie because he was just the grossest it's sort of like that but i'm pretty sure the patterns of the holes change and like the shape of the eye hole probably changes a little bit and like Mm. there's the one friday the 13th movie where the killer's not jason and the colors on the mask are blue instead of red so i think there's a little more to it than what you're describing but certainly that is part of it yeah it got older and more beat up as the movies went along there's a scene where Donald Pleasance is wandering through the Myers house, the fake Myers house, hashtag yes. not my Myers house, and he opens a laundry chute and looks in like he's expecting Michael to be there, and I was like, what? What if? <laughs> like, I wish Michael Myers had been, like, like curled up in this laundry chute, like, you got me! <laughs> I'm just, the way you're... Body language for like he opens it and he peeks in like the way you tilt your head. I suddenly saw, you know, the really famous shot of like, I think it's from the ground looking up at Michael with the knife and the from the first movie. He's like, over oh, the yeah, railing. the staircase. It's like that, like Michael in the staircase shot, except he's like holding on to the laundry chute with one hand and he's got the <laughs> knife in the other. And he's like, <laughs> like cheesing it like, oh, you got me. <laughs> it's like the scary steps, steps, version of the scream mask, but yes. it's like open with the tongue out. Yeah. But also, like, he's dangling there, and then, like, Lewis peeks in and is like, oh, I got you! And then it's like, you know, quick stabs yep. upward or whatever. Yeah. But I also love the part where he's, like, searching this house, and a rat jumps out, and he... Loomis seems to legitimately be... Or, um, Donald Pleasant seems to be legitimately frightened there. Yeah. See, I feel like every one of these movies has a space for the line, it's Halloween, everyone's entitled to one good scare. Absolutely. And I was like, this is the moment where it should be there. <laughs> the rat turns to the camera... No, Donald Pleasance could say it, like, to himself, because he's clearly like, lost his rocker. The rat's like, everyone's a Tyler one good scare. 
and it scampers off. What is it, Rizzo? Yeah. It's it's. I would watch Rizzo in a Halloween movie. Are you kidding me? I would watch all of the Muppets in. A, I want, I want Sam Eagle as Donald Pleasance. Oh, I think I think Rizzo could be a very good Loomis. Uh, maybe like a young Loomis. I don't know. I there's something about Sam Eagle that makes me go, yeah, he's the one I want brandishing guns all over this movie and screaming yeah. at children. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Uh, we go back to Tina and her garbage one-dimensional greaser boyfriend for some reason. Like, he's a greaser? He really is a greaser. It's like, what era are you making this movie for? It's, it's like Mustafa Akkad saw uh, Grease 2. Grease. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's a good movie. Let's just do that movie. But luckily, like, Michael scratches the hell out of his precious car, and he gets out to, to like, beat him up, and Michael just one hand on the throat, and then a one-two punch of, like, rake to the face. It's a great kill. See, this is another reason why I think this is a Friday the 13th movie, is Michael's, like, improvising with random weapons. Michael pretty much only uses the, the knife before this. Hand. Yeah, but he's not, like, running around grabbing what's available. That's a Jason move. I mean, he kind of did that in Halloween, too. A little bit, yeah, I guess. He, he but used the hot tub, he used the syringes. He yeah. Used, he used the IV flute, the IV that's true. He did do a lot more of that, now that you say that. But I just, it doesn't seem like Michael to me. Yeah. It's not classic Michael. It's like Crystal Michael. So, I don't know if we've met this kid before in the movie, but we haven't talked about him on the podcast. But there's a kid with a really bad stutter who's like, definitely has a crush on Jamie, but they're both oh, children. Yeah. Um, and so he gives Daniel Harris this like, weird gift, and... Like, the person who's getting it with her is, like, having to do that thing where they pretend to be really excited over a gift for a child, which I always enjoy watching. Yeah. And you think it's going to come up later. It doesn't. Yeah, I thought this was going to be, like, a deus ex stuttering kid gift, but no, it is not. Chekhov's stuttering kid gift, I guess that would be, not deus ex. Yeah. But in any case, it doesn't show up again, which is very odd. Uh, And then we cut to... It's a a Halloween costume contest. Yes. Well, it's a pageant specifically, which is a weird phrase for it, but okay. It's also forced pairs. Yeah. They're like talking about them like they're couples costumes and everybody else seems to be a couples costume except Jamie and this little boy who are also seemingly the youngest people involved in this contest. And the whole thing is confusing to me. Jamie's a princess and Billy is a sparkle pirate. I would call it a sparkle pirate. Yes. I like I don't know what he's supposed to be because he never says it like he's a little kid. He should have had one line of like, do you like my blank costume? Because little kids love to tell you what they're dressed as for Halloween. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, I just read this article today where in Baltimore magazine, they interviewed a person who owns a vintage shop about like putting together a great Halloween costume, which like an article right up my alley. And one of the things this thrift shop person said was, Oh, it's, you know, you don't have to be super obvious about it. Like some of the most fun on Halloween is people being like, and what are you? And explaining it. And I was like, that is the least fun thing to do on Halloween. It's explain your esoteric joke to 400 people. No, thank you. Worst. If you're, if your Halloween costume needs like a get it, then it's a bad Halloween costume. Just from the standpoint of you're going to spend your whole night explaining it because spoiler alert, no one is going to get it. No, not at all. Like, my Halloween costume this year, I was, like, a little nervous. But then I was like, no, I feel like people will get the reference visually. I, I once went as Fay Ray in King Kong, 
like with a fake gorilla hand and a dress and a wig and stuff. And it was like very obviously like a blonde woman in a dress getting picked up by a gorilla, except, you know, it was me with a beard in there. And people kept being like, what is it? And I would be like, King Kong. And they'd be like, oh, you were a stunt double? And I was like, well, that's more clever than what I thought of. Yeah, but that's not like no one is going to get that. You added a layer to it is what you've done. Yeah, I'm the deepest cut you can get. <laughs> yeah. I'm not- Fay Ray's stunt double on King Kong. <laughs> You know, from that classic 1933 film. <laughs> when they definitely didn't have stunt doubles, they were just like, give her quaaludes and put her on the building. <laughs> yes, they actually strung Fay Ray up from a crane arm on top of the Empire State Building. That's how they shot that. that li- you, you know what I mean. <sighs> so, confusingly, Tina's crappy boyfriend is named Mike. And so when it's so funny when Michael Myers rolls up to pick up Tina, she's like, Mike, let me in, Mike, Mike. And you believe for a second that he's probably enjoying that because he's a crazy person. Yeah, I guess. And she lets gets let into the car and is like, oh, you wore the mask I bought you. I'm so glad. And it's just like hideous troll mask. Like no, no man is. I thought it was like a weird political cartoon, like Nixon or Reagan mask. It could be. It is genuinely hard to tell. And I'm, I'm wondering if they, like, did that on purpose. But it's not like she asked him to dress. Like, she acts like it was such a hurdle and a burden to get this guy to put the costume on. And it's like a loose-fitting cloak and a mask. It's like, they react as if she was here. This is a fully realized Shakespearean-era prince outfit. It's got four girdles and three corsets, and you can put this on. And a cod and, piece and two yeah, tights. Yeah, and like uh, here, also you need to take sword lessons. Like, it's a very basic-ass costume that she's so overjoyed that the boyfriend put on. And I wanted to be like, hey, hey, here's your clue that your boyfriend stinks. Yeah, you your your standards are too low, Tina. I mean, you're the worst, so I don't super care, but still. Yeah, and then she kisses the mask, which is just utterly bizarre. And at this point, Jamie starts having another seizure, and they're like, oh, something's wrong. So Jamie has this vision that Tina's in danger, and she's at a gas station, and she, like, chokes out, like, cookie queen. It's... <laughs> It is a five-minute scene of watching it's Danielle so Harris long. croak out Cookie Woman, Big Cookie Woman yes. store. Yes. And so we watch five minutes of that, and on top of that, everyone knows what the hell that means. To be fair, once you see the Big Cookie Woman, it is hard to forget. I guess. But... In the minute between her croaking this out, not even a minute, 27 seconds, and Loomis, or someone in the room recognizing what she means and raiding it to police, Tina, who Michael let get out of the car and go buy cigarettes, which is a weird thing for him to have done, is surrounded by seven or eight police cars. It's so many. It's like, a, it's like pizza delivery speed. But none of these cops notice that Michael is just sitting in a car right there. With his mask on. Yes. With his real mask on. Yes, indeed. This movie is terrible. And so here's the part where I need to talk about the kayfabe of this movie. Okay? Go for it. In the world of this movie, Michael Myers killed his family when he was a child, came back a few years later, tried to kill what we learned was his sister didn't succeed at that. I guess, depending on what timeline you go with one of the four, right? 
then came back again and is now trying to kill a distant relative of his. I guess it's his niece. Jamie Lloyd is his niece. She calls him uncle later. His, his sister's daughter. So, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, at this point, this person has come back from the dead on two occasions, at least, perhaps three, killed a whole lot of people, and yet there's still a Michael Myers costume being sold and available at Halloween. Thank you. I had the same question. This is the literal equivalent of a person dressing up and being like, I'm the Pulse nightclub shooter, or I'm the Columbine kid shooter. Like, if you wore this in public... In that town, Yes. Like, it's not like he's some dude in California who's like, oh, far... Like, you live in the town where all that happened, and you're dressing up like that? Right. This happened last year. Right. It was a year year ago. ago. Yes. (laughs) It's very fresh. Like, if you saw someone walking around in that costume, he would... There would definitely be people who tried to fight him, 100%, like, hey, F you, buddy, have a little bit of respect. Or two, people would just shun him. No one would think this was, like, Halloween, you know, gags and nonsense. People would be furious. Where's that drunken mob of men with guns from the second movie? Right. To, like, kick his ass. Yes, absolutely. When, when someone in the second movie, which takes place the same night as the first movie is wearing a Michael Myers costume somehow. We it's it's a gray area. We remember we decided this in the last episode. Michael gets his mask from the drugstore, so it was just a widely available mask and their outfits are similar but not the same. Okay. This guy however is wearing a Michael Myers Michael like Myers, one piece like, jumpsuit. Trademark. Yeah. TM TM TM. The f- so yeah, the other the other guy the only other person we've ever seen who isn't Michael Myers wear this jumpsuit. Got T-boned by a car into another car and set on fire. Yes. They had to identify him by his molars. Yes. Yes. And he was a 17-year-old. Yes. And now they're just like, oh, whatever. And then on top of that, they're like, you know what's a really fun prank? If we pretend that my boyfriend who's dressed up as Michael Myers is trying to kill us in front of the cops. Right. It's so... That's how you get shot in the face. It is indeed. Or or T-boned and set on fire. Especially from cops this incompetent. Like, you're guaranteeing a shot to the face. Wait a minute. I'm just realizing now how happy I would have been if they had repeated the Ben Tramer trick from the first one, from the second movie. Like, and so out of nowhere. This guy got killed? Yeah, out of nowhere. Like, specifically out of nowhere gets T-boned by a car that they didn't, like, we, the audience never saw coming. So he's, like, strangled, (laughs) he's, like, attacking Tina and all of a sudden a car just comes out of nowhere and T-bones him. So we jumped ahead a little bit there, but after the vision where Tina gets saved, she goes to visit Jamie. They have like a quick, oh my God, so thank you for saving me. And then Loomis is like, don't leave here. And she's like, "Uh, I'm going to a party. Bye. No, Jamie is crying saying, please don't go. And Tina's like, I have to get boned. Bye, little girl. Even though I already talked about in this movie wanting to go visit you tonight, I have to leave. Well, she checked that box. To be fair, yeah. she did check that box. I saw her. Um, and there's this, like, so Loomis stops her, and she's crying. Like, she's clearly a- upset by Loomis. And then all of a sudden, turns on a dime, and is just like, I'm never sensible if I can help it! And that's that's not me doing a funny bit. That is actually what the movie sounds like. Right. It's so deeply confusing. And then Loomis is like, stop her. And the cops are like, on whose authority? Yours or mine? And it's like, hey, hey, yuckety yucks, knock it off. 
And he's like, well, then go follow her. Like, gee, I'm Sam Loomis. <laughs> I've watched a lot of people die. <laughs> I think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Dear God. I'm borderline a murder she wrote writer at this point. Someone just listen to me already. Basically, like, I I don't understand why no one listens to Loomis. It's like the Ghostbusters 2 thing. They do. That's the craziest thing, though. In Halloween 2, they do listen to Loomis. Oh, that's right. They, like, uh, totally listen to him and and take his advice and do all that stuff. And then in this one, they're, like, right back to being like, ah, you're an old coot. What do you know? Crazy old Maurice. Yeah, it's just, it, it baffles me because... He's literally the only one who's been in every single one of these movies. So why does no one think of him as an authority on what Michael Myers might or might not do? Right, right. It, it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, we go to this farm party with Tina and Jamie and the stuttering kid like break out of the clinic and go to, to this farm because the stuttering kid knows where you go. We cut back to the party and the cops are outside this like hugely loud party and they're like, ah, should we go in there? And it's like, nah, let's sit in the car and play cards instead. And then they see Michael Myers get out of a car, drive up, get out of a car and walk up and sur- and walk around the house. And they're like, that doesn't seem like a dangerous situation to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, it is kind of astounding that Michael is driving. He drove in the first one. I know, I know. But I think maybe the cops just forgot about that. So the kids start, like, sneaking around trying to find a place to to fool around. And this is where we get this whole, like, fake Michael sequence that we were just talking about. So we're not going to rehash that. But there's a whole sequence where it's like, oh, my God, that's Michael. Just kidding. It's my boyfriend. Oh, my God, it's Michael. Just kidding. It's my boyfriend. Like, they do the same gag twice where you think it's Michael and then it isn't. And then you think it's Michael again and it isn't. And it's like... All right, movie. The, you're just doing Friday the 13th now. Like, this is the, just verbatim Friday the 13th. The only way I'm okay with this is if we saw inside Tina and Sammy and the boyfriend plotting this prank. And the boyfriend's like, I'm going to go take a leak. I'll meet you outside. And then when he goes to the bathroom and Michael kills him. Yep. And then goes outside and they think it's a prank and Michael kills them both in front of the cops. I would like it even better if there was some way that she knew which mask was the boyfriend's. And after Michael stabbed the boyfriend, he took the boyfriend's Michael mask. Oh, uh, okay. I like that too. But he kept his in his back pocket so we could switch back. Yeah, why not? He's a cla- he's a man for the classics. Yeah, I just I feel like there's a lot more fun to be had with that whole dynamic. Yeah, I think that's almost what happens in the one with Busta Rhymes. Now that I think about it, there's definitely like oh, there's a fake Michael in that one. There is a fa- Busta has a Michael mask at one point, and then there that might be a plot point from that that I'm rehashing. But in any case, it's still more clever than what we get here. Yeah. So there are a bunch of drunk teenagers, and they find uh like baby they find a bunch of kittens that don't have a home. And I'm like, this isn't, you shouldn't be handling drunk kittens, right? No, you shouldn't be handling absolutely kittens right not. Now. Absolutely not. And there's, a, Tina runs off and like leaves the other two alone so they can bone while she looks for the cats. And she spends five minutes finding the cat and then picks it up and starts to walk away and like looks dead ass into the camera and goes, what am I doing? I hate cats. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Why is this line of dialogue in your movie? Why? Why is it there? Why are the cats in your movie at all? Um, they also apparently, so, uh, Tina is wearing a French maid costume with a cape for some reason. 
and her friend Sammy is dressed as a devil. And apparently they were, Tina was supposed to be the devil, but they were like, no, we can't have our heroine dressed like the devil. People won't identify with her. Cut to opening night of the movie where people applauded when Tina got stabbed. Yeah, of course they did. Cause she's a terrible actor and a terrible character. And this movie stinks. It's so bad. Here's what else stinks in this movie. The sex scene is like 40 hours long. It's too long. And there's a really weird part in the documentary where the girl who plays Sammy was like, yeah, the director called me and the guy into his hotel room the night before so we could choreograph the scene. And I was like, uh, he is French. Yeah, I guess. So she immediately followed up with like, it was not, she was like, and it was like, it wasn't, we, it was very like clinical of like, okay, do this angle because we're going to come out from this side. So you have Uh to be shaped like this. And I was like, I can see this weirdo French director being like, look, I need to tell you exactly what to do because you don't know how to have sex. <laughs> you Americans. That was a terrible. I, I started to so do bad. French and I was like, I'm not going to do French. And you just but went somewhere. You like threw a dart at a yeah. world map. And you're like, <laughs> it, was, eh. it was just like a weird sound that came out of my body. But I could totally see it being like, like in this very stereotypical way of like, oh, no, no. You, you people don't know how to do this. I... I will show you how to make love. You come to my dressing room. We will show you how we do this. This sounds like a weird Muppet character. Uh, yes, I, I, it was sort of uh, Pepe. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I was like, what's his name? Pepe. Um, Pepe the Prawn. Um, but so I also realized watching this that there was no need for a sex scene in this movie because so Sammy is separated from the boyfriend and she's like, I'm not going to come find you. And you see a boot step on a piece of wood and it cracks. And you're like, oh, it's Michael in the barn now. Because her boyfriend was dressed like Michael. So there's yep. that moment. And then she turns around and someone's dressed like Michael Myers. And she's like, oh, it's you. And he like menacingly steps towards her with a knife in the air. And like keeps stepping. And she's freaking out because she thinks, oh, wait, this is, I'm in danger. Yeah. And she screams as he like pretends stabs her. And then... It's the boyfriend, and she's like, you're a jerk, and then they have sex. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. If you do that to me, we're not boning. Right. I'm kicking you in the dick yeah. and leaving. Yeah. And also, this is a real, again, in the kayfabe of the movie, he is dressed like an actual person who murdered children. Like, he's actually dressed like a child murderer. Why is that sexy? Why is that yeah. even a little bit sexy? Come on, she, movie! She should have actually been stabbed there, and then Michael can pick up the pitchfork and just pitchfork the boyfriend when he walks in the room. Like, right. that's what it should have been. We didn't need the sex scene. Right. I will say, tiny amount of credit, that they do bring a condom into the equation. They do. It's very clear that she's like, I don't have anything. And he's like, I do. And she's like, all right, I guess. Yeah. It was like, but I was like really afraid that we were going to get the, and they do that a lot in these movies where it's like, oh, the accidentally is the good guy where it's like, I don't have anything. And him being like, I don't care. And then Michael stabs him with something. I was really, and him pulling a condom out. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Movie. Good for you. Well done. Thumbs up. That happened in one of the Friday the Friday movies that we covered. That yes. someone specifically was like, "Hang on," and like pulled a condom out. <laughs> yes, like held it up to the camera, <laughs> put their hand behind it so it would focus on it, like a beauty guru. It's like, don't worry, I'm protected. Wink. Yeah, like yeah, I get the joke that they were making, but I just I was like, oh, you know I didn't what? even think about that being a joke. I like that. Oh yeah, no, that's a hundred percent what's going on there. But I'm just glad they're showing these people having safe sex in the movie. 
Yeah. Just because you're going to get killed by a psychopath with a knife doesn't mean you can't make a good decision first. Yeah. I also always forget how, like, prominent Michael's breathing is in all of these movies until I'm watching them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he breathes a lot. So kills them, kills these two people, both uh, the, the boyfriend and the girl. Then Tina finds their dead friends. And then she freaks out and goes like running outside where she stumbles upon the dead Keystone cops. And then a car like lights turn on and it's Michael and Michael's like chasing her, him in a car, her on foot. And behind them is the two children. So it's just this like weird train of chasing. Here's the confusing part. But there, because I don't understand anyone's running path because later in the, at the end of the chase scene, the kids are somehow in front of both of them, and Michael just drives to them instead of to Tina. So it's right, very weird. Right. But also, we glossed over the fact that all these teenagers are going to go skinny dipping in Midwest late October. <laughs> yeah, Excuse that's, me, that's a California cold, writer. That's a cold dip you're taking there. I, I get that you're from California and don't understand how the Midwest works, but... Anything after Nevada, it's cold in October. <laughs> yes. Midwest October is like uh, late December on the East Coast, basically. Like, it's chilly yeah. there. Yeah. No one's going skinny dipping. Unless there was a hot tub. Yes. But they, they talk about, like, the springs, which makes me think it's, like, natural. So their mind, they're like, oh, Midwest people, like, they swim in, like, lakes and springs and stuff. I, I bet Send it was... there. I bet it was the writer being a West Coaster being like, oh, they just went to a hot spring, as if that was a thing that is just, like, easily attainable. <laughs> yeah. So there's a cool car explosion after Michael is chasing uh, Tina, and you think after that... entirely too much driving and running. Yes, a lot, a lot too much of that. But the car blows up, and it's pretty cool looking. And then Michael chases Jamie... And it actually is a really cool use of because everything in this movie is too long. The car explodes and the horn is going off. And as Tina is running to Jamie and Jamie is screaming Tina's name. And I was like, God, this horn is annoying. Like, I get that that's actually probably what would have happened. But like, oh, my God. And then all of a sudden the car horn stops. And I was like, oh, no, now I'm into this use because Michael was leaning on. Okay, I'm here, movie. You got me back in. It was a cool little way to play with sound. I thought was really fun. So Loomis shows up and he grabs the two kids after Tina has been killed. And he's like, uh, Jamie, you have to help me catch him. And she, of course, wants nothing to do with that because she's a child and he's an absolute murderer. And Loomis, to her eyes, is probably not that much better. I was going to say, at this point in the series, Loomis is just as dangerous as Michael. Like running into Loomis is not necessarily saving grace. No, I agree. And so Loomis gives the kids off to the cops and is like, take them, take them out of here. And then he starts the scene you mentioned earlier, where he's just like screaming into the woods, like Michael, come on, Michael, you won't do it. I dare you to do it. It's, it's almost like that scene in wizard of Oz when Dorothy is looking in the crystal ball in the witch's tower. And A&M is like, come home, Dorothy. Dorothy, come home. We're scared and looking for you. You know you want to, Michael. Now I just want to see, like, Judy Garland looking in the crystal ball, and it's Sam Loomis in there. (laughs) Like, come home. Come home, Dorothy. Yes, I'm into it. 
so for some reason the cops take Jamie back to or yes Jamie back to the Myers house which I don't that was Donald Pleasance's plan so yes you have to infer a lot about but, this movie but why do the cops think that this is a good like why would the cops not be like hell no we're taking this child somewhere safe like I, because, I just so you know how like the president can can like declare oh I, I, like be like I'm I'm controlling the army now because it's a state of emergency. That's Sam Loomis and the Haddonfield Police Force. I don't think you got that right vis-a-vis American politics, but I'll let you have but it like, for the sake of the You know the idea. I yes. Yeah, I, like Sam I don't, Loomis is I like just, look I just I'm, want the audience to know that I know that what you said is gobbledygook nonsense. I, I don't need you to explain it further. The it's analogy a trope in movies and yes, film no, and look, TV. The thing that you said makes perfect sense in that it makes no sense whatsoever, but I understand the point you're making. Yes. <laughs> That's so like, I just I just want them out there listening to know that I know you're full of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean. Exactly. I need to get the point exactly. Your point has been made. So he just basically called a police state, and he's he's the captain now. He declared Loomis law. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I was like, "There's a word." That, that's I'm the declaring word. Loomis law. You're all under my jurisdiction now. We're going to the Myers house, and we're going to fortify it. <laughs> I, I want that. Somebody show. get me micro machines and glass Christmas ornaments. We're going Macaulay Culkin up in this bitch. Cans of paint, <laughs> pipes, ropes. <laughs> Somebody get a real hot thing to put on a doorknob. Um. So yeah, Loomis could declare Loomis law, which is the phrasing I, I was trying. Martial law. Martial law. Think yes. Of, and I could not think of it, so I just gobbledygooked it together as best I could. <laughs> Loomis law. Somebody put some nails through the basement steps already. <laughs> Have we iced down all the stairs? <laughs> Use the spring water. There's no one skinny dipping this time of year. It's cold enough to freeze because this is the actual Midwest. It snowed in on Halloween one year in Pennsylvania, guys. Like, I don't think Californians <laughs> understand real weather. No, I don't think they do. Um. So, yeah, he's... I think he basically... Because he... The... the Loomis says something, and the cop's like, there's, just, now wait a second. And Loomis like, there aren't seconds to wait. <laughs> so he basically was like, "We ha- here's my plan. Take her to the house. We'll surround it with cops. Maybe she'll have a vision and tell us where he is, or he'll come look for her. Either right. way, like, we'll get him tonight. And so they, like, only light up one window in the house and prop her up in that window like a store mannequin to, like, brush her hair like her sister was doing when she got killed. And they were like, he'll see it. It's He'll also it it's also just another gag from Home Alone. Oh yeah! <laughs> Somebody put that. a cardboard cutout on a train, and we'll just we'll play rockin' Christmas tunes. Um, and this is where I mentioned the good cop, who's like, "Hey, Jamie, let's like she's clearly freaked out," and he's like, "Let's practice our signals," and she does the like signal for when she sees Michael, and he's like. Good. As soon as you do that, I'm out here in a second. Like, don't worry. I'm not going to leave you. And I was like, this is the cop I should have been watching. And also, this cop is definitely going to die soon. Oh, 100% this cop is dead. 
And so there's a thorn symbol on the wall behind Donald Pleasance as he's, like, marching around the house. There's some real great ADR. And then uh, Jamie has a seizure, has, like, a, a premonition seizure. And she says, Billy, who's the, the kid with the stutter. And they're like, oh, I guess that means he's at the children's clinic. Everybody to the children's clinic. Yes. And I was like, maybe we should leave one or two. Yeah, did we never send everyone. Like, what are you thinking? Never. Um, and this is, so this is a real deep pull that like you're going to get and other people might get if they like think about it. But Sam Loomis is on the steps of the house of the Myers house and all the cops are running away and they're like, they give him a radio and they're like, radio us when you get to the station with the little girl and they all leave. And Loomis does the Beverly, the Beverly D'Angelo cup toss into the bushes from Christmas Vacation with the yes, radio, yes. and then just turn. It's literally the same. Like he's basically Beverly D'Angelo in that scene where he's just looking at them all. I was like, toss, go back inside. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So he goes upstairs to where Jamie and this cop are, and he's like, Loomis Law, we're locking you in here. And the guy, the cop, is very much like, absolutely not. Uh, I am a police officer, and also I have a gun. At which point, Loomis pulls a gun on a cop and is like, Loomis Law! <laughs> no, it's, it's so much better than just Loomis Law, though, because he's like, Charlie, stay with the girl, please. <laughs> and I was like, like, this is literally the craziest we've ever seen Loomis. Yes. And at this point, Jamie's like, I don't know where I'd rather be. Like, <laughs> yes. I think I might just jump out the window and take my chances. So Michael busts into the house and uh, <laughs> the cop is like, okay, I got a rope and he ties it off to a radiator, which is smart. And he throws it out the window and he's like, okay, now I'm going to take a knee and you climb up my back and then I'm going to climb out the window with you. And it's like, this is fine. What you're doing is fine. Except as soon as Jamie puts her arms around his neck, he looks at the window and he realizes, like, I ain't getting out that window with a kid on my back. Like, I am too big of a human. And it's like, hey, pal, as a guy who's that. also a man of size, you knew that, right? Like, you knew that. You should have climbed out the window and had her climb onto you. And then also, you're probably not climbing down this rope super gracefully, Tubby. Why don't you let her go? Why don't you lower her to safety while you know Michael is up here and then you could like fight michael off or something yeah i was like why didn't he just say climb down now on your own yeah i'll come down after you because in the fourth movie she tries to piggyback on rachel and they almost die falling off the roof like <laughs> jamie's done this before all i was envisioning was jamie climbs out of the rope by herself and then the fat cop starts coming out the window and michael just like cuts the rope and kills her with the cop <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh my god! I, all I was thinking of was like Michael leaning out the window with his head cocked like a dog, like he always does, and on the ground is like a police officer with a broken back, and then you just could see like one of Jamie's feet. <laughs> it's like the witch's feet in, in uh -huh, his uh -huh. And the cops like my back, my back. <sighs> Loomis uh, sees Michael in the house and tries to reason with him slash like trade with him. And ends up, quote unquote, looking, up seeming to die. Michael um, throws the cop out of the window and hangs him on the rope, by the way. It's, we, a, we... it's a really clever kill. Yeah. Um, and I wrote, at this point, poor Danielle Harris is doing the most with the least given yeah. to her. And at this point, I'm looking at the runtime of this movie and being like, oh my god, there is s so many minutes to go. 
Like, there's so much nonsense that it's just... The sequence is very simple. It would take, like, ten sentences to write the sequence that happens. It's... Jamie locks herself in a room, climbs into a laundry chute. She slides down the laundry chute. He shows her into the basement. Michael, for some reason, can't figure out the mechanism to open the laundry chute, which is literally just like a knob that you have to twist. Neither could Loomis earlier. And I don't I, know why no one sees. Like, it's, it's the so mechanism obvious. is on the outside. Yes. You're looking at the mechanism and you're like, oh, you twist and everything lifts. It's, 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 a, it's a handle that is uh, horizontal and then when you twist the handle, it operates these two arms to move the arms out of the locked position so you can slide it up. And so the handle needs to go from horizontal to vertical, and the arms will disengage. It's, like, so obvious looking at it as I was like, oh, just just turn the hand, Just turn the... Oh, my God, just turn the handle. And then Michael just starts stabbing at it, and he stabs it so hard it comes off, which doesn't make any sense. No. They also... Uh, when So when Michael starts stabbing the laundry chute... Uh, for a lot of any scene where you saw a knife and Daniel Harris's feet was a real knife stabbing through the laundry. Oh, cool. Oh, super cool. Yeah, they put her in a lot of danger for this stupid scene. I mean, it's a cool segment. I will give them that. But, like, the only way you can pierce metal with metal is if one of the metal is sharp. Right. Like, you... you, And that's actually... That is catastrophically stupid. That is catastrophically Mm -hmm. stupid. So she... They kept telling... They literally had to be like, Hey, Danielle... You can't put your legs here or here. They have to always be in this position because if you move down, like, you could get hurt. Wow. That's so crazy. really, really stupid. Anyway, this sequence goes on forever where he's, like, stabbing the laundry chute and she's climbing it and he's stabbing it and she's climbing it. And then she finally, like, climbs her way out. I thought Loomis was going to be there to save her. He's not. Because um, we have to see the attic first. Right. So she gets up into the attic. She climbs all the way from the basement to the attic, which, by the way, is a long distance to climb up a laundry chute. FYI. Yeah. Uh, and in the attic is just like a slew of dead bodies just everywhere. There's dead bodies. And candles. It's very like Phantom of the Opera meets Jason Voorhees like mom shrine. Exactly. It looks like a cult ritual place, which is not something that is introduced in this movie at all. So it just doesn't make any sense. No. Jamie gets into the coffin for no reason. And when Michael's about to stab her... There's the real Phantom of the Opera nonsense moment where she's like, let me see your face. And he takes off his mask and she's like, you're just like me. And then he goes crazy and she runs away. Well, she like, also, none of this had to happen. She also calls him Uncle Boogeyman, like not on purpose, but she says uncle. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a brief, brief pause and she says Boogeyman. And it's like, wait, did you just call him Uncle you just Boogeyman? Call him Uncle Boogeyman. He, he cries. And when she goes to touch his face, when he when he cries, that's when he freaks out. And he throws the coffin into some candles and... One of those candles should have started a fire. Oh, for sure. At this point, Loomis comes back and he grabs her and he's like, you want the child? Come and get her. And it's like, oh, shit. Loomis is the monster. Fully crazy now. Like, at this point, I would believe there is no Michael. It's just Loomis in a mask, you know, like he's full on crazy man. And then he drops a a chain link net on Michael that was used earlier for no reason. Again, it's a Home Alone movie, and he shoots him with, like, 20 tranquilizer darts. Which, like, (laughs) how does he have that, and why does he have that, and what? He's taking down an elephant. Yes! Like, just, you shot him before, shoot him again. Like, you know what the real answer is? Loomis would have, like, a bazooka. Like, he would have, his firepower would be so great by this point in the movie where he's like, I 
I shot him six times. I burned him alive. I nothing works. I I just have a flamethrower. This is my flamethrower. Like that's or, what or I would he need. Straps him to like a like a lumber mill buzzsaw table yes. thing. Like, look, I have no other options. <laughs> the the only thing I need I would... to watch you cut in half to know you're dead. The only thing I would believe is if he dropped the chain link net on him and then he used that to like lock him to the floor. Like he put a bunch of eye bolts in and he's just like frantically locking Michael in and then he reveals that this entire house is full of dynamite and he like blows up the house from the street. I wish. <laughs> it's like help me lock him in and he's just like frantically throwing locks Shoot to Jamie. Her. Shoot her! <laughs> yes, yeah. He's like clicking Michael in and then oh by the way the house is full of dynamite and I blow it up to sky high. And that, But there's a really anticlimactic... No- no, instead we get a scene where he gets a two by four and he starts clubbing Michael to death going, die, die. And it's like, this man is 70. I'm supposed to believe that this old ass man is doing anything to take Michael down. Come on, movie. Apparently he is. Um, and then Loomis has a heart attack. It's like the most anticlimactic death, which they retcon. So it's not really a death, but like, yeah. clearly it's supposed to be Loomis's death. Yes, yes. That's how he's supposed to exit the franchise, which sucks. Like Loomis's death should be like he and Michael. A blaze of glory. Yes. He and Michael plunging off a cliff or like Loomis is wearing like a a. I like Loomis is wearing the bomb or something like I need Loomis being like we're going together boy like I need that all right Michael let's finish this the way we started yes together and then he hugs him uh-huh. and they fall off a cliff yes that's what I want D- hug him and gets a heart attack yeah and it's really it's really lame although he does come back for another movie at least part of six anyway yeah they cut most of his dialogue because the Weinstein brothers thought he was boring because well, they've always been monsters. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Also, he was like 75 and died like immediately as soon as he finished. Yeah. He held on out to, to finish his scenes, though. Uh, so we go to the police station and Michael's in jail and I hate everything. Yeah. Like, what the hell are we doing here? And he's still wearing the mask, which is like... Okay, I know I'm not an expert on policing, but there's no way they don't take that mask off. Yeah, that mask should be in an evidence lockup. Yes. Right? Yes. So Jamie's like, they're like, don't worry, he'll be in here until he dies. And she's like, but he can't die. And he goes outside, or she goes outside, rather. And then the mysterious man in black shows up and just lays waste to this this police station, kills all the cops, and blows up a cell door. And the movie ends with, like, a, the burnt-out station and a flapping, burning cell door. And it's, like, the end? With Question Jamie mark? screaming no, like Loomis Yes, does. yes, yes. Which, like... No! What, no! what do you think their vision was for the next movie if Loomis is dead? Like, we know they we didn't got... didn't have one. Right, but, like... Okay, if you were to have they been, like... straight up were like, look, it's someone else's problem right. now. But, like, imagine the world where, like, hey, we love what you did with the last picture. Deal with what you've created. And also, Donald Pleasance isn't coming back, so you've killed him and he can't come back. What What the hell would that have possibly looked like? Like, Michael v. Jamie, or Michael and a weird man in black v. Jamie? Like, she's a child! I mean, that's why, I guess it's partly why they waited so damn long. Yes. Ugh. And then they screwed over Danielle Harris. In part six. They did, indeed. So that's Halloween 5. Do you have anything else to add? 
It's the worst. It is. It sucks that we're going out on the worst Michael Myers movie. Like, like this is this is it. We did our last two Michael Myers uh, shots for the for the show, and he is just awful. Like this whole movie stinks so bad. I've always, I I forget because I love Halloween one so much right. that I forget that the sequels I think are the worst of any of the of the three main franchises. Yeah, like. I- Halloween, Friday, and Nightmare. I think Halloween has the worst sequels. It does. So we we talked about this a bunch, and I don't want to rehash everything, but uh, much like uh, Phil said on our uh, interview with Phil Nobile, the the um, the Friday the Thirteenth movies, surprisingly, despite the fact that there's no A in the group, is like the most consistent across the like movie to movie. That it's you know exactly what you're going to get, and it delivers it. Some of them are better than others, but there's no there's no high and there's no low. It's like a very even across. Whereas I mean, there's one low. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Fair. But like for the most part, the one where Jason like body hops is, is pretty garbage. Yeah. But for the most part, it's like, you know, you know, you're getting, whereas like Halloween has a huge, like I think Halloween goes a to F and nightmare on Elm street probably goes like B plus to F. Uh, I think Friday exists. I will say, I, I will say, I think new nightmare. I stand by new nightmare. Yeah, no, I like New Nightmare a lot. I'm not saying. I'm just saying, like, if you were to if you were to grade all of them, I think the high watermark of Nightmare is like a B plus, and the the low water, we'll say a D. I don't think it's an F. I think it's a D. Okay, well then I then I think Friday the Thirteenth is in like the same ish ballpark. Like I don't think yeah. Friday the Thirteenth dips. I think overall they average out to the best grade. Whereas I'm yeah. not sure what the other ones would look like. And I'm not going to do the math to rank all of them. But I think like if you were to take them on average, I think Friday the 13th would win. Like each movie being a similar level. Because um, yeah, they, they don't stinks. try to be anything they're not. Friday the 13th knows exactly what it is. It's teens at a summer camp or teens on a boat or teens somewhere that get killed by a man in a hockey mask. Right. And that's it. That's all they have. Need. They have a modest goal and they set out to achieve it and then they do. That's like yeah. the whole thing in a nutshell. So yeah, goodbye, Michael Myers. We had a lot of fun with our our three three dances with you. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to Halloween three at some point in time, although I don't know when specifically. But uh, we'll probably do a Back to the Future about the new Halloween. Yeah, that's entirely possible. That might that might be something that we release or have released already. We're recording this before it came out. Came out, so yeah. it could be it could be a thing that you've already heard and you're like, hey, they predicted the future or they, well, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of bummed that uh, this is the end of Michael Myers. I wish we had switched. We should have done Halloween two second. Yeah, yeah. If I had known what, then what I know now, I would have done them in reverse order. But yeah, this is a this is a real stinker. I, I heartily do not recommend this movie to anyone. No, and suggest that you don't watch it at all for any reason because it stinks. Nope. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I want to do a couple real quick things here before we let you go and just remind you that we are on Patreon. Uh, If you haven't checked that out yet, please take an opportunity to do so. We have a $2 tier and an $88 tier and a whole bunch in between, but you can, uh, if you sign up right now at the $5 level, you unlock a bonus episode immediately. And then the next one of those is just around the corner in December. So a good time to join up now and get yourself some bonus dissecting the eighties content. And thank you all for being Patreons and supporters of the show. We, uh, we use that money to change the way the show is hosted, which has really given us a lot of, well, given me anyway, a lot less anxiety about making sure the show gets to you every week or every other week, rather. Uh, it's been really a big boost for, for us that way, and it only happened because everybody decided to chip in and help us out. So we have some more ambitious plans for the show, 
but uh, every little bit helps. And so we're, we're looking for unlocking that next tier and helping us out to make sure the show stays around because the f- d- genuinely the fans of this show, the listeners of this show have already made it better by chipping in a little money. And so we're really, really grateful for that. We'll bring you VR. Yes, the Dissecting the 80s VR experience. It's just you sit next to us on the couch and watch a movie, and we we take notes. It's not we very... pause it sometimes. Yes, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh my god, what is he doing?" Like he just got a notebook there. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, you can email us at dissectingthe80s at gmail dot com. And if you haven't yet. Tell two friends about the show. If you've got a friend out there who's like, hey, man, what's a good podcast? Or, hey, lady, what's a good podcast? Tell them our show, maybe. Or, hey, person. Yeah, you're a person with a good, impeccable taste. What's a good podcast? And you say, say second in the 80s, of course. Uh, you don't have to say it like that. I'm assuming your interactions are a little more normal human mouth sounding than that. But, yes, tell people about the show. It always helps to hear things from your friends. We return November 5th with something I'm very excited about. I don't think Andrew even knows this yet, but it's Rocky 3 for the release of Creed 2. So we get to hang out with Mr. T, who is going to certainly pity the fool. Okay, I'm on board for that. It's our last Rocky movie ever. We already did four. This is it. This is the final Rocky. We only got two cracks at it in the 80s, so this is the second time we're getting to do a Rocky movie. Thank you all once again for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until November 5th. Don't you forget about me. Michael! Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.